And it is KWMR. We broadcast 90.5 from Point Ray Station, 89.9 from Bolinas, and 92.3 from San Geronimo Valley. We're also live on the World Wide Web at kwmr.org. And out here in West Marin, we're on Channel 47 of Horizon Cable. Coming up is The Place We Live. My name is Mark Matheson. We're here every other Saturday from 11 to noon talking about local people with their lives and stories. And this morning I'm delighted to welcome visitors from Spirit Rock Meditation Center over the hill in the San Geronimo Valley, where KWMR now broadcasts at 92.3 FM. Programming on KWMR is brought to you by the Maritime Radio Historical Society, working to preserve West Marin's rich radio heritage. The nation's last working Morse code station is in action every Saturday from 12 noon to 4 p.m. at the RCA receiver site, 17400 Sir Francis Drake Boulevard, just past G Ranch on the Point Reyes Peninsula. Information at 415-663-8982 or online at radiomarine.org. That's radio, M-A-R-I-N-E, dot O-R-G. Media support for KWMR is provided by the Point Reyes Light, an independent and locally owned newspaper telling West Marin stories since 1948. Featuring award-winning reporting, essays, opinions, a community events calendar, and, of course, the sheriff's calls. Subscription, classifieds, calendar, and advertising information, plus letter to the editor forms at ptraiselight.com. That's p-t-r-e-y-e-s, light.com. It's the place we live here on KWMR. Stay tuned for a wonderful conversation with visitors from Spirit Rock Meditation Center. Here on KWMR, West Marin Community Radio. Welcome back to The Place We Live. My name is Mark Matheson. I'm here every other Saturday from 11 to noon talking to local people about their lives and stories. And we'll get right to it. Conversation with visitors from Spirit Rock Meditation Center in just a minute. The Point Reyes Farmer's Market is open Saturdays 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Toby's on the main street of Point Reyes Station. Today, on Saturday, August 2nd, 
On stage are the better halves, Jimmy Joe and Chrissy, play folk music Austin, Texas style. And over in the kids' zone, the reading time has just started at 11 o'clock. Join other kids for story time, thanks to Marin Literacy for generous funding. For more information about Point Reyes Farmers Market, visit pointreyesfarmersmarket.org. Also, to mention that at the Chef's Booth, which happens every Saturday at the Farmer's Market from 10 to 11. So check it out there at the Farmer's Market. Also, it's time for the Box Show at Gallery Route 1, the biggest fundraiser of the year for GRO. The exhibition opened yesterday and runs through September 14th. There will be a closing party with a live auction on Sunday, September 14th. For more information, call 415-663-1347 or visit online at galleryroute1.org. GRO is open every day from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And if you are interested in learning about the Fund for Employees of Drake's Bay Oyster Company, established by the West Marin Community Services, visit their website, westmarincommunityservices.org, or call 415-663-8361. My guests here on The Place We Live this morning are Ann Cushman and Erica Harold. Anne is a pioneer in the integration of creative expression, yoga, and Buddhist mindfulness meditation. Since graduating from Princeton University with a degree in comparative religion, she has been a passionate explorer of body-based spiritual practices and their integration into the chaos and magic of everyday life. Anne is the author of the novel Enlightenment for Idiots, the spiritual India travel guide from here to Nirvana, and a new book, Moving into Meditation, a 12-week mindfulness training for yoga practitioners. Anne is the director of the Mindfulness Yoga and Meditation Training at Spirit Rock Meditation Center and teaches regular retreats and courses both in person and online. She is the former editor at Yoga Journal and Tricycle, the Buddhist Review. And her personal essays on contemplative practices in contemporary life have been widely published in venues that include the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, O Magazine, and Shambhala Sun, and lives with her son and her life partner in Fairfax. Erica Harold has more than two decades of experience in political organizing, communications, and project management. Currently the Director of Communications and Technology at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, Erica is responsible for the strategy and content for the print, online, and social media channels for the 26-year-old Vipassana Retreat Center. For 10 years, Erica worked within the City of Oakland government as Mayor Jerry Brown's press secretary, the City Attorney's communications director, and the communication strategist and utility infielder for the City Auditor. Prior to her work in Oakland, Erica was a statewide political program director for California Peace Action, the state's largest peace and social justice organization. She credits much of her ingenuity and adaptability to the years she spent canvassing door-to-door, lobbying elected officials in elevators, building coalitions, and running get-out-the-vote campaigns and working with the media. Erica has also assisted workshops and residency programs in sound, motion, and gestalt awareness practices at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur. The skills she developed from these somatic practices fundamentally inform her insights into the human condition. So, Erica and Anne, thanks so much for coming in this morning on a Saturday. Thanks for inviting us, Mark. Great to be here. Thank you. So maybe we could start with what is Spirit Rock Meditation Center? 
Well, I'll go ahead and chime in about just, that. Just in case listeners don't know. Right. Um, Spirit Rock Meditation Center, it's an insight meditation center that has um, is a spiritual education and training institution based on the direct experience of the Buddhist teachings. Um, in some ways, this organization, well, we provide about 500 programs a year in the form of day-longs, uh, day-long or weekend events, classes, and also residential retreats. Essentially, what we're looking at is that as we recognize that humanity's outer development and technological capabilities need to be matched by an inner growth of emotional intelligence and insight. So um, 25 years ago, uh, I should say 26 years now, um, Jack Cornfield, along with uh, James Barres, who is the author of The Awakening Joy, Anna Douglas, uh, Howie Cohen, who is the Dharma teacher um, in Mission Dharma in San Francisco, um, and others came together to purchase some land out in Woodacre to create a, a center where people could gather and uh, practice. Um, they were fortunate to find land that the Nature Conservancy, 412 acres, that the Nature Conservancy was willing to um, sell to them so that they, in, uh, with the caveat that they would also be caretakers for that land as well to maintain it as open space. Um, and they started this vision of creating permanent structures for people to gather and uh, practice these teachings of wisdom and insight. And thank you, Erica. And the the Vipassana tradition that's referenced in your in your biography. What is that? So the Vipassana teachings uh, actually are the tradition at Spirit Rock would be considered the Theravada tradition. And in Buddhist teachings, you might say that there are three main schools: um, the Vajrayana, which tends to be more in the Tibetan camp, the Mahayana, which you'd see sort of in the Zen practices, um, and then the Theravada, which is considered the uh, elders teachings, if you will. Um, and this is these are the teachings that are most closely related to the Pali Canon or the early um, writings of the Buddha. Um, so many of it, we, the majority of the teachers that we have at Spirit Rock are sharing these, uh, the teachings of insight meditation, if you will, or the insight practices. Um, but we also invite other teachers from Buddhist traditions to bring uh, the same flavors and understandings of really um, the overall teachings of uh, uh, wisdom. And Anne, do you want to jump in with a little bit of background on Spirit Rock? Yeah, well, I think I'll begin with a personal story, which is my memory of the very first gathering on a Monday night in what is now the community hall at Spirit Rock Meditation Center that was must have been about 20 years ago now. And I had been a student for a while. I had been coming and attending Jack Cornfield's, one of the founding teachers, uh, Monday night gatherings in Fairfax. And those days, they used to meet every Monday night in the church in Fairfax. And so I remember what a big and exciting moment it was now that we actually had a structure that would be 
you know, as permanent as things get in this world, uh, that would be a place where these teachings could be um, nourished and developed. And we knew even at the time, the students who came there, that this was the start of something really wonderful. So uh, I remember coming into the community hall, which is composed of trailers all cobbled together, and seeing the excitement on the faces of everyone who was there and thinking, this is the start of a temple. This is the start of a community temple. And so what I want to say about Spirit Rock is that it really is a refuge and a sanctuary. It's a place where people can come and really let go for a while of some of the burdens of their busy lives and activities and all the stresses that we're bombarded with constantly and really renew their spirits. And for me, it's just been a centerpiece in my practice life and also in my teaching life for many, many years. And it kind of uh, reflects or continues the sort of forest retreat tradition of Southeast Asia, no? Yes, it's true. Yeah, um, yeah, involving the land, the land being really significant to the practice in that way. Um, I think that was partially why, instead of opening an urban center, uh, Jack and and the other teachers also were looking for something more rural, um, where we could tap into nature and into the... Um, you know, our uh, deeper sense of self, our sense of being that way as well. And I know there's a lot of talk about um, eco-deficiency, that people are disconnected from nature and how that's affecting their health and well-being. Hmm. So it's... Um so I, as as you know, but listeners may not be aware, I'm also a practicing Buddhist myself, and I recently did a five-day silent retreat at Spirit Rock, and it was just so refreshing to be there in that wonderful space where so many people have practiced for so many years and really deepened the atmosphere. There's a quality, it's true, there that when you, when you get a chance to practice on the land... And you quiet yourself. I also came off of a retreat recently, so I can I can resonate a little bit with that. Um, there is this sense of uh, as your sort of personal, uh, your what's happening for you personally starts to settle, and your mind starts to settle. At least in my experience, my my heart kept opening, or the quality of of feeling. All the years of people who've come to do what is can be very challenging work to sit with your mind for five, seven, or ten days. But as uh, Wes Nisker, who is also one of our teachers, Wes Scoop Nisker, he sat this retreat recently as well, and I saw him, and he said, you know, if you work the mind hard enough, he said, what's underneath it is love. And so, and it was such a true experience for me at that time. Um, but it, we have busy lives. We have very busy lives. So the opportunity to, or also the commitment to take time and step out of the busyness to, um, you know, with others and to explore maybe some, what's more true, what's what's the truth of our reality rather than the surface and the busyness um, is really the opportunity that we're looking to provide people. And if you're just tuning in to KWMR, West Marin Community Radio, it's the place we live. My name is Mark Matheson, and my guests this morning are visitors from Spirit Rock Meditation Center, teacher Ann Cushman and Erica Harold. Erica is the Director of Communications and Technology at Spirit Rock, and Ann is the Director of the Mindfulness Yoga and Meditation Training at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. And you referenced uh, Jack Cornfield in the beginnings of Spirit Rock. Maybe you could let listeners fill in listeners a little bit on who is Jack Cornfield, um, since he's very often associated with Spirit Rock. And 
Yes. Well, Jack Cornfield is one of the founding teachers of Spirit Rock, and he is also one of the pioneers in bringing this particular tradition of Buddhism to the United States and to the West. Um, he studied in Asia extensively as a young man. I believe he first went there in the, from the Peace Corps and then came back and began to teach and was really a pioneering voice. I know I first encountered Jack when I was uh, attending gatherings, as I mentioned, at the Monday night at the church in Fairfax. And what I was struck by right away was his integration of the Eastern traditions with the Western traditions of psychotherapy and body-based personal um, growth, somatic psychotherapy. He really wove in the arts and spoke in a voice that, as a young practitioner, at the time, I could really find accessible and resonate with very easily. And so, of course, there are many wonderful teachers at Spirit Rock, and it's not a one-man show or one-woman show by any means. However, I would say that Jack's vision and spirit really infused the place right from the beginning. Yeah, Jack, um, originally... I, this is a, maybe a, a little-known fact that he and Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg had originally started uh, the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts, um, back in 1974, I think it was, when they first came uh, back from... Uh, they kind of gathered, meeting each other in Asia, and then had come back to start teaching. Um, and when Jack decided to come west and gathered with other... Uh, individuals who'd been practicing, it, it was originally going to be Insight Meditation West before it became Spirit Rock, and they'd found the land, that, but that had been the original idea. They'd started actually as Insight Meditation West, and they found the land, they ended up changing the name. Um, but he has, he's voiced that, too, as have um, some of the, you know, the teachers who early on were the pioneers were saying, they really didn't have an idea that this was what this would become. Um, and at this point now, we've seen even mindfulness has become kind of a buzzword that, you know, the cover of Time magazine or um, it's it's we're, we're, we're realizing that really the seeds that were planted from um, these are the early teachers have helped to bring about this sort of um, movement around mindfulness in many fields of education and um, health care. My favorite phrase is um, they're teaching mindfulness now at Google. <laughs> And rather than call it meditation, they're calling it neuro reprogramming. <laughs> and the and the people who write code and you know and do all they that they do at Google, they like that. They're not so sure about med- meditation, but right. neuro reprogramming works for them. That's true. That's the um, right the search inside yourself programming, right. or you'll hear uh, mind hacking, or you'll hear um, some other terms that are kind of happening. In some ways, we'd say the um, kind of secular or the applied mindfulness movement. The recent book by Dan. Harris to 10% happier. Hmm. He talks about his his first retreat was at Spirit Rock, and he uh, speaks a little bit about his experience as a result and the way he kind of fought the whole, you know, navel gazing. What is this? I don't know. Until he the the practice actually landed in him somatically to feel all of a sudden the merit because he'd gone through a series in his own personal life of panic attacks and addiction issues and. but more and more, it's what once may have seen been seen as sort of this strange fringe behavior of meditation uh, is now becoming much more uh, accessible and um, available to, to right. people. And just being seen as a training. 
Mm-hmm. It's really a training, just like we go to the gym or we go for a walk or something or we eat well. Mm-hmm. Why not take care of the mind? Yes, and the, the, now we're seeing the neuroscience studies that are showing things like this. Um, you know, a, a better sense of um, everything from improved memory to more ease uh, in the world to um, uh, an improved health aspects to lower blood pressure. Um, so it's science is, you know, supporting something that has been for ages already understood and known around a, um, a deeper understanding into the mind and heart um, um, around, you know, our sense of well-being. Right. And and it sounds like you've been a member of Spirit Rock basically from the beginning. From y- yes, I've been. In the early days. It's been an important part of my life all this time. So I, I've always wondered, what is Spirit Rock? Is is it the large rock that's out in the field on <laughs> Sir Francis Drake Boulevard? or? I think that's where it got its name. That yes. is where it's got its name. That is, yeah, that would be the, the, what, the rock that was, you know, the naming for the rock that's on the property there. And do we know what the first people's... Is this a tradition from the uh, from the Miwok or the Ohlone people, or um, I believe it's uh, you know we've we've been researching that in fact oh. too. So I don't have the exact uh, lineage, oh, yes. but I know that there have been different understandings and different. Uh, yeah. There's in fact a class we've been doing about working with um, the land itself, but also uh, our land steward Rachel Levy has been um, researching and working with the different First Nations people. Uh, and indigenous uh, peoples to find out what was the history before you know we had arrived. Right. Because um, it is very important to continue that understanding. Yeah. And interesting too. Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so and you've seen a lot of change, a lot of growth. Yes. And now I understand that uh, Spirit Rock is embarking on a very large expansion project, development project. We are, in fact, we. Um, as Anne had mentioned, the first time she was at a Monday night was in uh, the trailers that we had set up for our community hall. Those are 20 years overdue for having become a more permanent structure. Um, and as we've seen in the neighborhood of 40,000 people come through a year to um, for class for weekly classes and weekend events or for residential retreats, we are now at this opportunity to be able to create permanent a permanent community hall um, and uh, as well as administrative buildings and a, a staff and teacher village that have all been um, uh, trailers for these years past. It's a campaign that is basically been a capital campaign that has been supported by so many members of the community. Um, we've been able to raise a little over $15 million as a result of the generosity of our patrons and, you know, people giving what they can at any point. Um, we still have $1.2 million to raise. We've started um, the the building. We've been able to go through the process. We've um, taken some steps to ensure that these buildings are also um, very... Uh, uh, in tune with the land? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the green practices is exactly right. what I was going to say. I was just realizing yep. this week we got the solar farm is finally up. How wonderful. Uh, but it will be a, maybe a month or so before we have it completely uh, online. Sure. Um, so in the efforts that we've made in the last, it's literally taken 18 years to come to this point, um, we've 
taken so many steps to ensure that we're, you know, being conscious of what's needed around the riparian zones and the solar aspects and the green uh, building materials that we'll be bringing in, that every step along the way has been an aspect of care for what we're finally creating so that when these buildings are in place, they will be there um, for future generations to be able to take advantage of um, the practice. It's very exciting. Whenever I visit Spirit Rock, I'm just really moved by how uh, the buildings really are nestled into the land. It's, there, there are no skyscrapers. There are no sort of garish uh, outcroppings of concrete. It's, it's sort of like the, the buildings grew out of the land rather than you know, <laughs> the other way around. I wish it had been that easy, too. We just add water and they <laughs> pop up. But <laughs> yeah, it took, it, it's taken some effort and also been the result of, um, again, really generous and wonderful uh, community members. $15 million is pretty amazing. For, for an American Buddhist organization, that's really astounding. It's been it's been significant amount of work and time. Um, I think it's literally been about ten years of raising money um, for that to make that happen, and then also just the process. It's taken a lot of time too because we've, as Steve uh, Kinsey mentioned, it's one of the greenest projects, development projects in um, in West Marin that's happened because of those the, the care and sensitivity we've taken. Yeah. Another very moving thing for me about the about the experience of watching these buildings go up is something that I feel every time I'm at Spirit Rock, especially when I'm on retreat, either as a student or a teacher, and I walk in the hills above Spirit Rock and look down at this beautiful land and the beautiful meditation hall and the and the residence halls, and I realize that all of this was the result of the generosity and care and expression from the heart of people who really wanted this kind of refuge and sanctuary, not just for themselves and for our current times, but for decades, possibly hundreds of years to come. You look at some of these old temples in Asia that have been here for so long, and you realize that was the same thing. That came out of people's desire for awakening and their valuing of uh, places where people can touch their essential humanity, the depth of their spirit in a safe and supportive environment. And and you bring up a good point because um, I've traveled in East Asia and and again as a as a practicing Buddhist myself I'm familiar with uh, how Asian cultures are so different in that uh, those cultures are uh, young people are raised from childhood uh, with a sense of supporting the sangha of supporting the community and here in the West we have a very different model uh, both of generosity and kind of involvement and engagement. And um, just wondering how that's been played out at Spirit Rock because it is a very different environment here, and yet the many of the teachers have trained in Asia and, and come out of those traditions in a different environment or a different situation. Do you find it yourself, Erica, in terms of fundraising or development projects? What um, are some of the challenges you face? Well, I mean, you might want to speak a little to the the practice of I was have Anne speak a little bit to the practice of Donna, which is a heartfelt generosity. Um, at, at Spirit Rock, too, we have um, they have an interesting sort of uh, model that most uh, Buddhist organizations have, where um, ninety, I'd say, ninety-five percent of our offerings, if you will, are open and available to anybody. You know. Everyone is invited, you know, um, no one is turned away for lack of funds. Um, 
we have the exceptions, which are usually benefits or special events where we're, you know, um, offering those with another organization or another uh, teacher. Um, and we've, what I have found, though, is that the generosity that people find, because often they'll come for, say, a class, and then at the end of class we're offering the invitation for them to um, offer dana or heartfelt generosity, which is the dana is the poly term for heartfelt generosity, for the teacher's teaching, because the teacher offers their teaching um, they, freely. They are not actually being paid for their time that they're spent. Um, and it's part of the practice in the Theravada tradition that the um, this aspect of dana is significant to the the teachings in um, the heart teachings of wisdom. Anne, did you want to add to that? Yeah, just to chime in on that, as Erica has indicated, this quality of generosity is really one of the central teachings of the Buddhist tradition, and it's even more fundamental than the practice of meditation. And I think it's important to note that when we speak of generosity, this heart quality of generosity, we're speaking of something that is satisfying in and of itself. It actually feels better to be living from this open-hearted, generous place. And generosity does not necessarily mean giving money. Generosity is this open-hearted quality of being which can manifest most fundamentally in the offering of your presence, your attention. You can be there 100% for someone, and this is an act of generosity. You can be offering your time. You can be offering your care, your love. And you can be offering your resources to help causes or people that you believe in and support. So the act of actually giving something is the practice that helps support and evoke this heart quality. So the heart quality is fundamental, and yet we both express it and support it through the act of giving. That's beautifully said. It may also be, too, when you're looking at the comparison with an Eastern and Western. As a a Western culture, we have really uh, built more of an individualistic kind of sense of, you know, who, who we are. And so there is this aspect of learning to maybe broaden that with this practice of generosity on, on any level, time, presence, resources. Um, so that might be a way to also look at. And that's a very different perspe- perspective than mm-hmm. what we're raised with here in the West, you know, certainly in America, mm-hmm. where it's really about me and my stuff and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, the sort of distinct separation. Mm-hmm. Yes. From and the idea with offering the teachings on a dana basis, again, was one of the the ideas that the founders of Spirit Rock and the pioneers of those early days brought with them from Asia, from having had the experience of going and practicing in monasteries in Asia where everything was provided. There was no charge because the society so valued these teachings that they had built these centers, that they supported the monastics and the people who, who were spending time in the centers um, through their outreach pourings in very poor countries, actually, giving to support this cultivation and these oases of wisdom. And so the teachers in those early days, um, Jack and Joseph and Sharon, came and said, well, why don't we try and do this here and see if it works, and we'll do it for as long as it works in this society that has very different expectations. Mm -hmm. So it was really a radical step to say we will not offer these teachings on a fee-for-service basis, that they will be offered freely and 
we trust that they will be supported. And here we are 26 years later, and and it's been mm-hmm. quite successful. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it's about to launch into a whole new era. Yes, it is. Really yeah. establishing the future. Mm-hmm. And you, dear listener, it is KWMR here, West Marin Community Radio. We broadcast 90.5 from Point Ray Station, 89.9 from Bolinas, 92.3 from San Geronimo Valley. We're live and archived on the World Wide Web at kwmr.org. Right on the homepage of KWMR, you can listen to past shows. Just scroll down to the middle of the page to the archives, and right there you'll see recent shows. You can also look up on the radio menu button at the top of the homepage for past shows and click on, and in some cases, download the sound file from past radio programs like this one, The Place We Live. KWMR has arrived on San Geronimo Valley Airwaves. Residents of Lagunitas, Forest Knolls, San Geronimo, and Woodacre can now tune in to 92.3 FM to hear KWMR Community Radio. A warm welcome to all of our Valley listeners. Support for KWMR programming is provided by Coastal Health Alliance, now offering general dentistry services for its patients with a focus on Partnership Health Plan, Medi-Cal, and uninsured patients. Services are offered Wednesdays and Fridays at 64th Street, Suite B, here in Point Ray Station. For appointments, the Dental Services Coordinator, Sandra Alvarez, can be reached at 415-787-1123, and more information is available online at coastalhealth.net. It's the place we live here on KWMR. Stay tuned for further conversation with Erica Harold and Anne Cushman from Spirit Rock Meditation Center. My name is Mark Matheson.
It's the place we live here on KWMR, West Marin Community Radio. My name is Mark Matheson, and I'm here every other Saturday talking to local people about their lives and stories. 2014 marks 100 years of Marconi Wireless Radio and 15 years of KWMR Community Radio, all in West Marin. Discover and celebrate this history in a series of events and exhibits taking place in Bolinas, Inverness, Point Reyes National Seashore, Point Reyes Station, and Marshall through September. Dates, locations, and details are all available online by visiting the Bolinas Museum website, www.bolinasmuseum.org, or visiting the website for Point Reyes National Seashore, which is www.nps.gov. Slash P-O-R-E. And Jesse Di Natale with special guests Jonathan Richmond and Tommy Larkins are playing a benefit concert for the Powell Parada family of Inverness. Four-year-old Ezekiel is fighting a rare form of cancer, and his father Ronell passed away suddenly in February. The concert takes place on Sunday, August 10th, that's next weekend, at 7 p.m. at Toby's Feed Barn here in Point Ray Station, located at 11250 Highway 1 in the heart of downtown Point Reyes Station. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. All ages are welcome. Tickets are available at www.slimpresents.com and at the door. Plus, there's a raffle and silent auction, too. It's the place we live here on KWMR. Every other week, I'm here from 11 to noon, talking to local people about their lives and stories. And I believe two weeks from today, my guest will be Dewey Livingston, local historian. He'll be talking about his new book and all of his research. Dewey is the former uh, historian for Point Race National Seashore, as well as a private author. But right now, here this morning, I'm talking to Erica Harold and Ann Cushman. Erica is the Director of Communications and Technology at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and Anne is the Director of Mindfulness Yoga and Meditation Training at Spirit Rock. For 10 years, Erica worked within the City of Government, uh, sorry, City of Oakland Government. She's also worked as the Statewide Political Program Director for California Peace Action and credits much of her ingenuity and adaptability to the years she spent canvassing door-to-door, lobbying elected officials in elevators, building coalitions, and running get-out-the-vote campaigns, as well as working with the media. So, Anne, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that background and how that was has been applied to your work at uh, Spirit Rock, uh, quite uh, two very different environments. It's true. They have been, yeah, they, um, the transition that I had from doing grassroots organizing and political work to the opportunity to work uh, at Spirit Rock was uh, a, um, a very fortuitous experience in general. Um, but I found, but there was also a, a draw for me when the position became available and I was hired. Um, the the thing that I think I had most yearned for was a way to really tap my my sense of um, my sense of duty to kind of the larger health of this planet to um, methods or practices that actually worked. So if I'd spent a good portion of my 20s after a very um, very emotional experience uh, visiting Hiroshima and going to school in Japan my in college and then uh, wanting to work for 
you know, some way to anti, anti, anti-war, anti-nuclear, and anti being the key phrase here. Um, I was a very good fighter, very good at fighting in my 20s, um, and actually found that to be significant work and important work to do, but not sustainable, not something that I could uh, sustain as I then moved into my 30s, had the opportunity to work within power structures like the city of Oakland, like working with the former, uh, the governor's former role as mayor, um, I learned a lot being on both sides, of both from the community side and from within the power structure sides, but really was finding that the, um, in many cases with politics, the lowest common denominator of the human experience was what I was seeing happen. What I was seeing was shaping and forming policy. Um, so it was, it was very uh, demoralizing on some level, but at the same time, I still had the same draw to somehow impact Um so when the opportunity, and again, I, I highly credit our, our governor for, <laughs> when I worked with him for pushing me in the path of doing more yoga and doing more dance because the, the stress of those worlds were um, enough to seek some other balance. But um, as I was introduced to the Dharma, I really started to see that I could find um, practices and teachings that would allow me a clear mind and an open heart to have a wiser choice of action in the world. And without those, without the clear mind and the, and the open heart, that really I was just perpetuating the same kinds of um, problems I was hoping to solve. Um, so I'm still considering myself a very much a baby practitioner in that I'm um, continuing to engage you know how do we how do we tackle climate change? How are we addressing uh, racism or growing levels of um, d- economic disparity? Um, and can I do that from a place of uh, again an open-hearted place? Um, being able to offer put my professional skills, if you will, towards providing the opportunity and the refuge of a place like Spirit Rock to more people helps me see the sort of ripples and repercussions that um, those teachings can offer. Hi. Um, your story reminds me of a story that I heard Pema Chodron, the best-selling Buddhist author, uh, give. And she had gone to a peace demonstration in her earlier... She's an American who became a, mu- a nun, a Buddhist nun. And in her early days of being a nun, she went to an anti-war demonstration. And she saw the the people who were protesting the war hitting the people who were in support of the war with their anti-war signs. And she said, this is what happens, is we have a good heart, we want to make a difference, but we get so riled up within ourselves. And the other thing that reminds me of this is, um, there's a line from an Elvis Presley song about uh, cleaning up my own backyard first. (laughs) And it's sort of, we can't be of service to others until we're sort of at least working on ourselves. We may not be Buddhas yet, but kind of addressing that. Well, and I also like to encourage that even if I'm not a, quite a Buddha yet, I'm still making an effort. And I will, you know, I will, um, skillful or unskillful, you know, attempt to, to do my best effort around how to uh, extend to other uh, people or and members in my community or beyond my community to address the, um, the challenges that we, we're faced with. You know, in the in the years currently, but most likely very very much in the in my lifetime and the years ahead. Yeah, wonderful. 
And Anne, how about you? So, so Erica, it sounds like you sort of came to this spiritual practice that you're now engaged in through Jerry Brown, or, or through your work. Yeah, maybe I mean, not no, directly. I, not but. directly, actually. He, um, there were. Uh, I did meet some Zen teachers in my time working with Jerry, and actually spent some time with Ivan Illich, who was a, a social critic and writer and extraordinary um, human. So there was more exposure. Um, I actually believe in some ways Mr. Brown might have been much happier had he been sitting on his cushion as he was mayor. But um, the, in general, just the, the dynamic of that environment and that world had pushed me towards uh, really more of a body-based practice with yoga. I've been doing dance, the soul motion practice, um, and found that as I was more embodied in my, um, in my life, I was able to be of better service in whatever position or job I was in. Um, the the opportunity with Vipassana practice really has shown me a way to make my mind more of an ally than um, kind of a, an enemy, if you will, which right. I think it had been prior to this point. So, and it, again, it's an ongoing. It's it's not by by no means near to perfection in any way, but um, <laughs> I have a lot more patience. I have a lot more kindness towards my mind, um, and that will fluctuate day by day. <laughs> so, um, and I but, think it comes back to our conversation about dana, about generosity. You mm-hmm. know, this generosity towards ourselves and mm-hmm. this sort of making ourselves available and accessible to others, mm-hmm. even as we're raw and vulnerable and sort of still in our process, we're still present yeah. with others, which I think brings out a sense of courage and inspiration in others because they can recognize there's something soft here. It's true. Rather than armored. And I, I think that there takes a lot of courage, actually, to face that um, in ourselves and in our world. At least the I know that the suffering that I may understand or experience we may see in the world daily, um, it takes courage to actually turn and face it and be with it and acknowledge it. Um, and that takes a practice. It takes having a practice. It takes having a community to support you. It takes having um, the wisdom of, you know, millennias to to guide you when you're in the dark places of facing the um, the suffering. Thank you, Erica. Erica Harold and Anne Cushman, how about you? How did you come to... Uh, these practices that are practiced now at Spirit Rock and that which you teach as well. I came while I was a college student, actually. I was 19 years old, and at the time I was working as a journalist and studying English and creative writing and thought that that would be my path. And I was looking, it was my sophomore year, and I was looking for a class that did not meet too early in the morning. And flipping through the student course guide, I saw a class called The Self and World Religions, which got five stars in the course ratings and which met at 11 a.m. And I thought, I could make that. And I signed up for the class, and it completely blew my mind. It was a wonderful tour of the world's spiritual traditions and how they helped us with our questions of, you know, who we, who we are and and what we're here for, which, of course, at age 19 are central questions. And I just felt like every lecture was aimed right at me. And I was particularly struck by the sections we did on Hinduism and Buddhism. And reading these ancient texts and learning that there were these practices which helped us 
connect with the magic and mystery of wonder and wonder of our lives, which helped us, as Erica says, deal with the suffering, and which really landed us in the context of a meaningful contribution while we were here in these bodies in this world. So I immediately switched my major from English and creative writing to uh, religion and began concentrating in Hinduism and Buddhism and quickly discovered that while I was in the library scribbling away, writing papers about these topics and reading all these books about Buddhist practice, that all the texts said that it couldn't be found in books. And so I began looking for teachers and began my journey into practice in that way. And where was all this happening? What college were you? I was at Princeton University. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Wonderful. And made my way from Princeton. For my senior thesis, I produced and um, co-directed a documentary about the Zen Center of Los Angeles. So I went out there and spent some time at the Zen Center of Los Angeles and did this documentary, got a grant from the NEH to produce it, and then had really found my way to California and, and after college made my way out there again to continue my study and practice out here. And then what brought you here to Fairfax and and your connection to Spirit Rock? Well, I had been living in Santa Cruz and practicing yoga and doing working on some writing projects in, in Santa Cruz. I moved up to the Bay Area to study at the California Institute of Integral Studies and uh, made my way somehow out to one of Jack's uh, Jack's talks in Fairfax at the community church there and immediately felt connected with his approach. I had been studying Zen, which was quite wonderful, and practicing at Green Gulch, still a favorite place of mine. And I also had been studying with Thich Nhat Hanh, a wonderful Buddhist, uh, Vietnamese Buddhist teacher, and had made several visits to his place in France. And, you know, it was easier to come to Fairfax than to go to France. So I kept studying with Jack and really found that a wonderful grounding. And all of this time I had also been practicing yoga. And for me, those two practices of Buddhist meditation and yoga asana had always gone together. And and how long have you been teaching? Ah, let's see. How long? It's (laughs) (laughs) a while. Well, I'm trying to remember. It it all happened quite organically. I Mm -hmm. had not set out to be a teacher. I was a practitioner and a yoga practitioner and a meditator, and I was working at Yoga Journal um, writing about these practices, still involving my writing career. And just I began being asked to teach. I taught the Friday morning class at Spirit Rock for many years, combination yoga and meditation, and just kind of slid into teaching through the back door, another way of sharing the teachings. And now you have a new book. Yes, I have my new book, Moving Into Meditation, a 12-week mindfulness program for yoga practitioners. And how did that come about? What... What, what sort of inspired you to, to write this new book and to provide these, this sort of guidance? Well, one of my teaching venues had been directing the mindfulness meditation training at Spirit Rock. And the mindfulness meditation and yoga training at Spirit Rock is a place where yoga practitioners can 
have the opportunity to deepen their practice of yoga asana to include and support mindfulness meditation. I think the way yoga has evolved in this culture, there's been a lot of emphasis on the physical aspects and not so much on the aspect of becoming intimate with getting to know your body, your heart, your mind, learning to calm the mind and center, and learning to really come into contact with all of the different elements of your life in a skillful and present way. So the training was an opportunity for yoga practitioners to do yoga in the context of silent retreat and dive very deeply into the meditative aspect of their practice. So I taught and directed a couple of rounds of this training, which is a multi-year training. And then as a writer, I started to feel that... You know, no matter how wonderful the training was, only a hundred people can go through it at a time. So I wanted to have a way to make the teachings and practices and experience of um, intimate engagement with our life, which we cultivate in the training, accessible in a book form. And that's what this book is. And it's, <clears throat> it sounds like it would be a great resource also for people. I know from the meditation side, people, uh, some, I'm a meditation instructor in the Shambhala lineage. And I know many of my students get focused on working with their mind, and they forget that they're also in a body. So I, I think your book also is might be a great resource for people who sort of come from the other direction of, it's all my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that one of the things we know as soon as we start to practice is that if you sit down to meditate and think you're going to be just working with your mind, inevitably you immediately slam into your body. Everything that your body has been wanting to tell you that you haven't been paying attention to, all the pleasures that you may have been missing, and also all of the places that are uncomfortable or painful or wounded or traumatized that you have been ignoring. And from the other side, you may come to yoga thinking, well, I'm going to get a really nice butt and some flat abs, and you start doing the yoga practices, and whammo, there is your mind. And you realize that in order to move more deeply into the physical practice, you need to work with your judgment. You need to work with your distraction. You need to work with your sleepiness, your restlessness. You are suddenly confronted with emotions which were buried and trapped in the tissues of your body. So this idea that meditation is about the mind and yoga is about the body is in fact one of the misperceptions that the book is designed to address. Mm, how wonderful, how wonderful. We have a room full of nodding heads here. <laughs> <laughs> we have about five minutes left here on The Place We Live with Ann Cushman and Erica Heralder, Herald from Spirit Rock Meditation Center. And I wanted to check in with both of you about upcoming classes and kind of programs that are happening that listeners might be interested in and could, could participate in. Great. Well, I just wanted to chime in that Anne is teaching. Uh, we have a Thursday women's group at Spirit Rock, and she's teaching again on uh, August 21st. So invite folks to come to that if they can. She's also teaching two retreats in the month of September. One of them is a creativity retreat on September 8th, and that's, I believe, a six-day or five-day retreat. And then we also have uh, the women's retreat that is an annual women's retreat, which is wonderful, starting September 22nd as well. Um, 
people can always see our calendar um, at spiritrock.org is where you can find it. We have a number of new online offerings as well, which I invite people to check out. Uh, Essential Buddhist Teaching class. We have live stream events. Um, the next one coming up is Byron Katie. will be spending a day with us at Spirit Rock. And then in September, uh, Rick Hansen, who is a fantastic sort of um, neuropsychologist and Dharma teacher. Uh, in September 13th, he'll be doing, and we'll have that uh, live webcast of that as well. Um, volunteers. We always need volunteers um, to find out about that, our website. But you can also email volunteering at spiritrock.org to find out about available uh, positions and places. And then finally, we are giving tours of the construction at uh, Spirit Rock and really invite the community to come out. It's typically the first Sunday of the month, so tomorrow at 1 o'clock. John Griffith, our facilities manager, will be uh, showing people around. And Anne, could you, <clears throat> we have a few minutes left, <clears throat> excuse me, could you share with listeners a little bit about what you're, what you're teaching, the women's group and the women's retreat? Uh, sure, and actually before I do that, I also want to mention that tomorrow at Book Passage in Corte Madera, I will be reading from my new book, Moving into Meditation and Signing Books. That's tomorrow, Sunday, August 3rd at 4 p.m. at Book Passage. And I also wanted to mention that along with my book, there are free downloadable videos which you can get. If you go to ancushman.com forward slash practices, there are some guided video practices that go along with the book. You can get a taste of this particular approach to integrated practice of yoga and meditation. And um, and then if you'd like, there's also a whole video course that goes along with the book that you can get there. Isn't technology wonderful? It's just yes. so amazing. Yes, it is. You can stay right in your living room. You never have to go anywhere. Which has its pluses and minuses. <laughs> if you have to be, if you can't leave your That's house, right. this makes it a really beautiful way you know, online for people to connect. But I highly encourage the face-to-face sharing the same oxygen experience. <laughs> Definitely. I, I got so much out of my five-day silent retreat, mm-hmm. group retreat recently at Spirit Rock. I just... It was an amazing, profound experience. I'm so glad. And I had the same experience that you described of, of taking the trails up in the hills and looking back down on the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just such a treasure. Yeah. And the Creativity Retreat, which is coming up, is a wonderful opportunity. I love it because it fuses my passion for uh, writing and also and creative expression in all forms with the practice of yoga and meditation. And you write and you paint, and that's completely wonderful. And then the Women's Retreat, of course, is an opportunity to go deep in a, in a different kind of way. It's not just that it's all women practicing there, but we really have an approach to practice which emphasizes the intuitive, the nonlinear, the um, relational aspects of practice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Let's give out the website one more time. Yes, it would be spiritrock, all one word, dot O-R-G. Wonderful. And Cushman, Erica Harold, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been a pleasure. Thank and, you. And please come back. Okay. Please do. <laughs> we will. And you, dear listener, in just about 20 seconds or so, it'll be 12 noon straight up here on Saturday. It's the second day of August. And coming up at 12 noon, it is Forms and Feelings with Jim Bennett here.